0: Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Kingston, New York, a little bit out in the country with a very special guy by the name of Mike Guy. Did you get that? Double Guy. Mike, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear and are you ready to release the clutch? I am ready to release the clutch. So Mike, before I give you a proper introduction, I'd love for you to share one little thing that most people don't know about Mike Guy. Me? Yeah, of course.
1: Well, that's good. I mean, I thought everybody knew everything about me. I, um, let's see, I think, you know, I have a weird, a strange history um, in media. My, one of my first, I was a crime reporter at the Boston Globe for a couple of years. Wow. Uh, I took time off from college and was a Metro Desk reporter. But after that, the beginning of my magazine career, I was Hunter Thompson's assistant. Really? Yeah, I went to Rolling Stone and they sort of throw the young the young meat at Hunter because uh <laughs> that used to be like uh um the trial by fire. If you could handle a couple of reporting trips and some closes and all the middle of the night phone calls from him, then uh you could handle anything. And um I was uh, I came from a I come from a long line of assistants. There are probably five of us who stick together and we have sort of a uh we have uh, our our trauma therapy group. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, Hunter was actually a car guy in a sort of limited way. He loved driving. He really loved the uh, – it was something about walking the tightrope and, you know, living life on the limit. He he had, a, uh, uh, I think, a 68 Volkswagen. He had a, famously had a, a couple of Cadillac Eldorados, um, one that was, I think, starred in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And he used to drive them – really competently under very dubious levels of intoxication. Uh-oh. And uh, he was very proud of that. He was a great driver, and he drove like a lunatic. He lived up in the up, up by Aspen, and he put studded tires on the Volkswagen and just drove that thing through every snowstorm imaginable, usually with a top down and a cigarette lit. <laughs> but, what a character. Um, but that, he, was, he was a real character, and the end of his days were – or something you could predict by his lifestyle, but uh but it was uh I guess a treat. It was seemed at the time like hell, but in, in retrospect I did learn a lot from, from that. That's sort of a a strange little element of my biography that doesn't really sync up with being the editor in chief of Road and Track, but um somehow it does. I mean,
0: <laughs> we'll uh we'll figure out how it works here in a minute. <laughs> There you go. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. Mike Guy is the editor-in-chief of Road & Track, part of the Hearst Auto portfolio. He was the founder and former editor-in-chief of The Drive. Prior to starting The Drive, Mike was the digital director of Maxim and an article editor at Details. Early in his career, he was an editor and feature writer for Rolling Stone, as he mentioned, and a wild guy named Hunter. Mike has written for publications including Playboy, GQ, and Vanity Fair, and his articles, on motorsports were included in the best american sports writing anthology we'll be back in just a moment but first a word from our uh, beloved sponsors here they keep the fuel in the tanks so keep the seatbelts on we'll be right back okay I've enjoyed the quality and variety of Lloyd's floor mats for decades now and I'm super excited to report that Lloyd's mat store is now part of the Covercraft family of products. Car care that protects the things that move you. Lloyd's floor mats are the ultimate in quality and fit with carpet mats, all-weather mats, velour tex, berber, classic loop carpet, and they're proudly made in ...in the USA. They're designed and sewn with the highest of quality... ...and offer custom fitment for almost any vehicle. There's a wide variety of styles, fabrics, and colors to choose from... ...and hundreds of licensed logos as well. Protect your vehicle's factory carpets from moisture, dirt, mud, snow, slush... Anything that Mother Nature can throw your way, all of your options are quality made, easy to clean, they secure to the floor, and they look oh so good. Check out Lloyd's Mat Store for a wide variety of styles, colors, and options for your vehicle today. And I've got a special deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, C-A-R-S-Y-E-A-H, at Lloyd's Mat Store you'll get $10 off. Just use the code CARSYEAH at L-L-O-Y-D m a t s s t o r e dot com lloyd's Store dot com covercraft and lloyd's mats protecting the things that move you Autumn has arrived, the weather's changing, and that means your vehicles need extra protection against everything Mother Nature can drop. Covercraft offers you a multitude of layers of protection for your special rides. Are you putting your summer toys away? Watercraft, RV, motorcycles, trailers, or even your patio furniture? Covercraft has a custom fit cover for whatever your need. Covercraft offers you 10 different car cover options. That's right for your special vehicle's protection, whether stored inside or out all carefully crafted into the form and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. And don't forget their custom fit seat covers, pet pad, Fido's gonna get wet and muddy, I guarantee it, dash mats, sunscreens, and custom fit floor mats and trunk mats. Whatever the surface you wanna protect, Covercraft has your solution. If you use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Simply use the code Y E A H two one at checkout. Come on, Mother Nature, bring it on! Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Covercraft offers you ten different options. That's right, ten for your special vehicle's protections. You can choose from Weather Shield HP, HD, Umbrella, Alter Tech, Reflect, Form Fit, Custom View Shield, and their newest five-layer all climate three-layer moderate climate, and five-layer indoor options. All are custom tailored by Covercraft's talented craftspeople just for you. It's the form and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Surface protection is the best way to preserve the investment you've made in your vehicles. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. I have a Covercraft cover for every one of my vehicles, and I have a deal for you. If you use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Do you live where the climate is a great challenge? I do. Up here in the Pacific Northwest, it rains a lot during the winter and even into the spring. And that's why I love Covercraft's newest five-layer all-climate cover. It was specially developed and engineered for anything that Mother Nature can throw your way. It's soft, it's breathable, and easy to store. And it pampers your paint plus your interior surfaces from maximum UV, rain, dust, and snow protection. Add their gust guards if you live in a windy area for extra protection to keep your cover secure. Your five-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's specific attention to detail, form, and fit. The quality and attention has been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and your watercraft, too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover, whether stored indoor or out. And I've got a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21 at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Covercraft's newest three layer all climate cover is especially engineered for moderate weather conditions. Plus, it's treated with an extra UV resistant formula. It's very soft, it's breathable. And it's easy to store while pampering your paint, providing maximum UV rain and dust protection. If you live where it's windy, well, simply add their gust guards for those windy conditions for extra protection. Your three-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form, and fit with the quality and specifics That have been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and your watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover, whether it's stored inside or out. And I've got a deal for you. If you use the code yah 21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. My carrier seemed to be turning into a media company versus an insurance company, and I realized that a portion of my policy premium was paying for all those so-called free media goodies. So I did my homework. I talked to knowledgeable collectors, shopped around, and discovered American Collectors Insurance. Fall is here, and you know what that means. Time to put a good coat of protection on your vehicle. I'm teamed up with Auto Geek, and they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started back in 1997 as a small mail order catalog company grew into a multi-website based e-commerce store, and that's what they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries, and its retail sector ships worldwide. If you want to protect your vehicle this fall, and you should, go to AutoGeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and technical support. AutoGeek.net is where I go for my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. AutoGeek.net So, Mike, uh, we are back. So we're going to dive a little deeper into your life there. And, you know, Road & Track is one of these magazines that's been around since, gosh, I was a little kid, my next door neighbor who was an FBI agent. How cool is that? Living next to an FBI agent <laughs> used to give me his old Roden track magazine. So I've been reading this forever, but my track has been through a major transition as many publications have been kind of forced to. And I'd like to talk a little bit about that transition and your interpretations of it and the different things that Roden track is today, including the track club and some other yeah. cool items you guys offer. So you've been through a lot. I mean, going back, back to your rolling stone days and everything but this new evolution of magazines i love to get your interpretation of it how it ties into road and track well i think you know road and
1: track is uh as you said it's, it's been around for seventy-six 76 it'll be seven, 76 years with the next issue um wow it's uh it's seen it all it's seen sort of the fattest possible years in publishing and some of the leanest um you could argue that we're in a really lean time right now, certainly for print publishing. After my experience, I launched, as you say, I, I was at Time Time, and I launched The Drive. I pitched it to the board of directors at Time Inc. because they had never had a car magazine. They felt that there was a good financial case to make for a car magazine, so I launched that and as an all-digital enterprise, and we we built it from scratch. And I brought a great team in and then Time got bought up by Meredith and then Meredith decided that they didn't want any properties, any media properties that weren't oriented toward women Mm. specifically. And so uh, they sold People and Sports Illustrated and Time magazine and Fortune and us. They said to me and Mike Spinelli, who is uh, my business partner, the two of us ran it together. Um, He's Uh, another car guy out there and they said you have six months to find a buyer and uh otherwise we're going to shut you down and we had probably 30 employees 25 employees and so i had to literally go home and google how do i find a buyer my (laughs) magazine (laughs) yeah yeah no kidding (laughs) and you know after a while it occurred to me that there were several people who wanted to buy it and the group that did was their venture capitalists they ended up buying popular science i mean the drive was the first one and they Brought in a bunch of other properties that were all mostly digital. I think almost all digital. And they played around with different business models and uh as it turns out, they're having a lot of trouble right now. They just laid off a bunch of people. Mm. Um
0: I didn't I I stayed there six months and
1: we get into the, the I didn't think the ownership had very good ideas. Um, and so I left.
0: Maybe that's coming to fruition now, huh?
1: Well, maybe I don't know. I don't know any of the details of it, but I, I just at that point I was like, I'm never going to work in media again. This is just too difficult. The drive was doing well, um, which is why they didn't shut us down, and instead they had they sold us. But the environment for media property is re- it's, it's really hard to get like a reader that is loyal and that cares as much about. Who is doing the reporting and the publishing as the subject itself or uh, the, the story yeah. itself? You know what yeah, I mean? They're I know exactly it, what you mean. Yep. They're getting it from social media and they don't really look at who's making it and uh, and who's doing the reporting. And so all like the real work of journalism is no longer much of a consideration for most consumers of media. And so I don't know what the solution is to that, except... When Hearst called me and said, Hey, we wanna um, we need somebody to do something really radical with Road and Track. And what would it be? And my feeling was, you know, they were doing 10 issues a year that were pretty thin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were really reliant on WeatherTech and Dave McNeil, who's a great guy, and they were a very supportive brand. And but it was a it was a game of diminishing returns. And so my feeling was that Jordan Track with its cachet and everything that Peter Egan had done with it, and you know Larry Webster back in the day, and and all of the going back to Bond, all the guys who had sort of built it up. It has a lot of cachet, um, and it has a lot of authority with a real enthusiast. And so my pitch to them was, let's stop pretending to be six hundred thousand readers a year of of cat like sort of less um, interested enthusiasts and let's focus on super enthusiasts people who are really into storytelling about cars and who buy cars and who collect cars and are interested in bidding and auctions and we we sort of eddie alterman who um was at car and he was formerly a car and driver he's a good friend of mine and he's now the editorial director at hearst autos but at the time he was just kind of you know, in between things at Hearst. And he and I were like, let's call them super enthusiasts. Yeah. And let's let's focus. Let's let's trim it down to 150,000 of them. And let's cater to people who are really going to put their money where their mouth is and who care about where these stories are coming from. They're not interested in car chases. They're not interested in clickbait. They're interested in the true stories of the car world. And let's make it beautiful. And let's really like dig into old school storytelling and reporting and let's make a coffee table book. Let's turn it into art the way that great journalism and great storytelling should be. It should be beautiful photos. I mean, cars are the most charismatic product on the planet. Like I challenge you to find maybe airplanes, maybe Maybe the Apollo program. Maybe that's a more charismatic product. But like from a (laughs) maybe, maybe guitars or watch. There's a lot of overlap, obviously, between people who are interested in those and people interested in cars. But like, let's let's lean into the fact that these are charismatic, beautiful, uh, complicated in all the best ways machines. And maybe there aren't uh, millions and millions of people who are interested in that level of of coverage but i i'm willing to bet and place my career on it and in the existence of road and track that there's plenty of them and more than enough to if we if we focused on them and focused in a more um concerted way on the niche then we would find success there so what we did was we shut the old magazine down where we relaunched it as this as a coffee table book as a as an object of art with real storytelling is 170 180 pages long, and we put better paper stock, and uh, we'll lose money for for a year. And then we're going to make money because like great products want to advertise and beautiful things. And uh, uh, then, you know, we've launched the track club, we've got these, this experiences program that we're really Excited about that has been really successful, which is re- hosting rallies that are high-end, five-star rallies that include track days and great personalities. Graham Ray Hall is, did a track day with us. Jim uh, Hinchcliffe did a did a track day with us. Nice. We've got Randy Lanier, who's fresh out of prison and has got a book coming out, and was himself a great race car driver who made some bad decisions in his life, but he's going to be doing our next rally with us. And that's in two weeks, actually, here in the Hudson Valley. So, you know, we decided to remake this as a car magazine that is really interested in the super enthusiasts.
0: Uh, To me, it seems like the right track to go. I have to ask the question about demographics because a lot of this has to play on that uh, you know i'm a, a boomer yes. as my kids call me uh-huh. i I, uh-huh. I smile when they say it they laugh when they say it however boomers are aging out getting tired and maybe you know we're not going to be around for the long haul and i hear this from Concour folks and guests i've had we got to bring young people into this i believe there's plenty of young people that love cars still they're out there i'm, I'm seeing more and more of them at major concord events car week pebble beach this year i yep. saw more young people than and i've been going 33 years than i've ever seen i'm like i said to my friend who's my age a little older and i said you notice how many younger people are here this time you know this is interesting so your demographics have you seen them with the change you've made it's a very long-winded question evolve into a bringing in younger people?
1: Yeah. We're getting younger. I mean, ironically, the magazine before we changed it had been aging out. It was uh not only aging out, but the household incomes were going down. We discovered, I mean, listen, part of what we're doing is it's a whole it's holistic. We've got this magazine that uh is basically the halo product, mm-hmm. you know. And that's going to inform the website, which is also going to inform the experiences and these three things Together are what form the brand. With the, with uh, the rallies, our experiences. We have got a rally in Hudson Valley and Sonoma. We just did nine days in in Italy that ended up at uh, the Italian Grand Prix. Nice. We've got a whole bunch of them. I've been really surprised between the forty and sixty guests that we that we um, we bring to these. It's a really expensive trip, and we've got. I I don't know. Half the people are under are under sixty, and probably a quarter of the people are under forty. So the people who are returning are all the younger ones. I've been really impressed by that. I mean, cars. Everybody's been saying that Gen Z and millennials aren't interested in cars. They're all living in the cities. I just think that's not true. Yeah,
0: COVID changed that.
1: It definitely did. And and I also think that people who love aesthetics and people who love beautiful things and people who love like really cool machines mm-hmm. are also young people. They're boomers and they're young people. I think their relationship may be a little bit different. I mean, certainly if you grew up, if you're in, if in your 30s, you're probably more of a JDM guy than you are a Mustang guy, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, our demographic is, is it's still a little older than I want it to be, but we're, we're moving it younger. I also think that the, naturally the car, car buyers are younger. The old people are being replaced by the young people
0: you know as it always is you know and and they're making money now right i mean the millennials yeah. and those folks they're now in a position where they've got some discretionary money or they can finally buy and that's why i i watch you know bring a trailer all the time and i just sold mm-hmm. my first car I ever sold on bring a trailer which was a collector car i'd had for years it, it i'm really happy because it broke a record that still stands for that kind of car oh, yeah on bring a trailer but i i watch bring a trailer and i kind of look at prices coming up i have a 17 year old E46 M3, I bought new. And mm-hmm. those cars are now selling for what I paid for that car new, if they're nice. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And yeah, you, yeah. you
0: never think a, a regular production car where they made a lot of them, it's not like limited production or anything, would ever sell for what you bought it for, but they are. I saw one sell for $79,000 this week. And I yeah. went, what? Holy cow. So, yeah, those times they are a change it.
1: They are. I mean, that off the auction market, the used, the collector market's completely out of out of hand right oh, now. Yeah,
0: it's out of control.
1: I don't know if they'll find Planet Earth again. I think they eventually will, uh, but now's a great time to be selling an E forty six.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I just I, I like well, I got to replace it with something. What's I, you know, and now's not a good time to buy anything. That's for sure. But no, like no. I said, I think I I lucked out and sold my turbine a nine thirty turbo. Uh, that was very rare in its color and sold it right at the right time, I think, because now I'm starting to see things wane. I didn't really plan it that way, but it had just become too precious. I wasn't driving it as yeah. much because it's like, oh, this thing is worth so much and it's original. But anyway, that's beside the point because my listeners have heard that story. You know, I'm going to take a <laughs> break here. We come back. I want to talk okay. a little bit about challenges because what you guys are, and we've talked about this, uh, magazines are dealing with, is it's challenge and change. And yeah. change is always yeah. a challenge. So keep that thought in mind and we'll be right back. Okay. You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars. Yeah, for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six. And there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to LinkageMag.com and click on the Renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code RENEW6 for one year and you'll get six issues for the price of four or Type in Renew12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on CarShot. Yeah? He's become a good friend of mine. And I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting. And now that I'm going to be getting six a year, huh? <laughs> Even more special. So go to linkagemag.com. Again, use the code RENEW6 or RENEW12 to get that special deal. Do it before December 31st, 2022, so that in 2023, you'll get six issues of Linkage Magazine instead of four. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. and Their goal is is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles, skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. (laughs) So I always ask my guests what I call about the challenge question. And that is a big challenge they faced. No doubt in your career in journalism, you've seen massive change and a need to change. Otherwise you die uh, if you just keep being the same. So as this change is occurring, what have been the biggest challenges for you guys in this transition?
1: So I road and track. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a couple of angles. Um, and it's all really challenging, but taking taking a magazine that's been around for so long and has evolved slowly over the years, it's it's you know, there's the ampersand was put in, then it was that the ampersand was was redesigned and but at the core of the magazine had always been a monthly built around uh columnists, you know, uh, Peter Egan. Um I mean, we had Sam Posey. We still like you, Sam. And oh, really? Uh, he
0: still. Do- I I had him on my show last. Uh, well, earlier this year, actually, he and his son. And we know he's you know he's got yeah. some huge uh, challenges with his uh, yeah. physical conditions. But uh, sure. Uh, I mean, Sam, what a legend!
1: Whenever we go to Lime Rock, Sam comes and awesome. And, uh, awesome. and uh, yeah, he's he paints a lot now. He spends a lot of time oh, yeah. in his studio, and yeah. and we did a we did a profile of is his studio and and uh great, a handmade, great issue, therapy, one of our handmade issues yeah, and you know Sam's all there, you know he's got some physical issues, but he's all there, and he's one of my favorite guys, and he's super generous but you know the the challenges have been taking a magazine sort of built around some personalities and you know more recently it was uh camisa and Sam Smith who had sort of taken on that that role, but when I tossed out the ten a 10 a year model i had to really rethink what this what is going to be inside this magazine are we going to keep building it around personalities or not and one of the challenges has been taking model you know that had been around for 75 years and actually um holding on to the brand but changing everything else about it and while also holding on to the readers that we want and uh and putting out a great and putting out a great magazine um you know it, it's a it's like trying to uh to sew new i don't know a, a new body onto the same head or a different <laughs> head onto a new body it's like a yeah it's a frankenstein but we it re- all it also has to be a coherent product that stands on its own and not just coherent but I, in my mind because i'm a little bit of a perfectionist; it has to be excellent, and um, and so that's n- like navigating these things is was it was really difficult. And in those first couple issues, you know, we launched, relaunched the magazine at the start of the pandemic, and so I, you know, it inherited the staff for the most part. I brought in a couple of guys. I brought in AJ Bain, Oh um, cool. who wrote, who wrote, uh, you know, he wrote go, go like, like hell, hell and, and- yeah a lot, and, of great books. Uh, a lot of great books but i've worked with him since rolling stone i've been working with him for 25 years and we've been really close for a long time he was in a I brought him to the drive and so i brought him in but we were all remote you know we were all trying to figure out what zoom was <laughs> yeah. and also like put together this brand new magazine uh and that was that was like you know everybody had their challenges with um with with covid and like and I don't want to say that mine were special at all, but we were it was gonna be hard to start with. maybe it made it easier. I don't know, but that was a that was a big challenge. you know another one is always trying to figure out the internet, you know like what matters on the internet, and what role does really great content play on the internet? um you know you find out everything from Google and there's a a level of you know like we want to do a specs page for cars, but like I kind of always think is this past the well, just Google it test. Mm. You know, <laughs> just Google it. You know, if you could just go, you could just Google something, then like you can't compete with that. You know, no,
0: it, it, not at all. In know, fact, it's, it's like ask your phone and it tells you stuff. Ask your your uh, Alexa, it tells you stuff. It's yeah, it's a weird, different, new world. But I, I hear you saying basically having to reinvent yourself, and that's a tough thing to do at seventy five plus years old.
1: It's hard it's hard and i think the only way to do it is to make the thing that you're doing be be really good and to be kind of striking and we have to use the cachet that we have and the authority we have to you know remain authoritative but also expand our footprint in some other way like uh our most recent issue is a motorsports issue and we put Sebastian Vettel on the cover and we got really great access to Sebastian um, and uh, wrote sort of his defining valedictory to the sport. Mm-hmm. I think the issue itself is the best best issue of road and track that's ever been made. And I wouldn't have said that about previous road and tracks that that I've put out, but this one is, it's a A to Z of motorsports. It's just, it's like... It's a striking piece of uh, magazine making. Dan Pun, the executive editor, and Nate Schroeder, who's our creative director, they just went all out, the whole staff. It was just uh, fantastic. So I think that the difficulty is, can, is like, can you still be good and be relevant in, in today's world? And how do you do that? And I don't know if we've fully succeeded. I mean, we're profitable, you know.
0: Well, it seems seems to me you're on a good track, and in looking at the most recent issue, you know, Bravo to your whole team for what you guys did there. And it's a tough thing. I mean, reinvention is a very, very, very challenging thing in in a world that is changing minute by second by nanosecond, yeah. and yeah. trying to figure out what people want. So, yeah. Well, again, uh, keep pounding away as they say when you're marching to keep marching you know i want to talk about you a bit and your passion for cars and we're going to start with a special vehicle in your life that really stands out what is that ride
1: wow um i gotta say the first i mean i grew up my dad was a was a lobster fisherman and we had a a lot of trucks growing up and a lot of uh, beater cars, and my brothers and I, we lived next to a mechanic who would give us broken old cars, and we would fix them up, and we would, when I was 10 years old, we were racing Corollas, and, <laughs> and uh, we had, some, at one point, I had to sell like a GT, but we had okay, set up cool. a, rally cor- a rally course in the back the back part of our property, about 20, 25 acres, and uh, I was 10, 11 years old, and my older brother was 14, and we had a couple of other people, and my parents never found out about it. But we we raced the crap. Out wait a cars.
0: minute! You're racing in the backyard. And your parent? Where were your parents? I guess they're off fishing in well, the ocean. Were, so <laughs>
1: you know, the property had a ridge line, and the backside uh, of the ridge line. Nobody really, ever. No one really ever went, went back they, there.
0: Yeah. What are the boys they, doing they, today? <laughs>
1: every once in a while, they they eventually found out because I rolled a Corolla once when I was 12 and broken an arm, and and I had to explain the broken arm. We had. Various issues, various injuries that we could explain away, but they eventually found out when I when I did roll (laughs) that car and break break my arm. And we had, you know, I had a Yamaha YZ80 and a 125. I did a lot of motocross racing, and uh, but the you know the car that really set my brain in motion uh, as a car guy um, was my uncle. My uncle Bill came back from Vietnam and in 69 and he bought a, a uh 911e a 1970 911e new wow and uh and he held on to that thing for a long time so when i was 17 or 18 years old he brought me out for driving it and let me drive the thing and you know it's a it's the 2.2 it's mm-hmm. i don't know 140 130 horsepower but that experience like this is in New Hampshire. You're just doing back roads in New Hampshire, and I had been driving beaters, you know, three on the tree, GMCs, and you know, Toyota Celica manuals. But my first experience in the 911 in his 911 just it <laughs> kind of blew my mind. Like, oh, this is what a balance feels like, yeah. you know? Yeah. And this is what this is what it like, you know, when you understand how tall a gear can get and. You know what breaking feel? I mean, it's not wasn't the mo- not the most robust 9 eleven's out there, but that anybody who who drives a nineteen seventy nine eleven knows that it just has this sort of magical quality that you feel from the like in your lizard brain, your amygdala, and I and I had spent enough time in beaters to understand what a difference a nine eleven how, how it's like a different species. It was like suddenly I was on a whole different planet. Gravity meant something else, you know? <laughs> like uh and I think that people who have a lot I think a lot of people their first experience in a nine eleven from that year or even a nine twelve, it just uh it it changes it changes your wiring.
0: Yeah. And, I love that uh, that two point two Engine is awesome. Uh, ah, love that amazing. thing. Love that thing. Well, since we, or since you spoke about the lizard brain, this next question I have for you is going to crawl into that brain. Uh-huh. If you were reincarnated, pun intended, as a vehicle, manifest as a vehicle. Now, this isn't <laughs> what you want to be. This is how you perceive the man in the mirror. What would you be? But more importantly, why?
1: That's a wild question. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I definitely wouldn't be a sports car. I wouldn't be a very practical car, but I don't know if I would be a sports car. Um, I would probably, I would, my first response is Land Rover Defender, but that's too sexy. Um, (laughs) I'm thinking box truck, maybe a K5 Blazer. Okay. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's reliable, but not that reliable. Plenty of extra parts around. Not that good looking. Um, Sort of noisy. (laughs) reliable in tough situations uh but but not um i guess it's a weird thing to say k5 blazer now because if you go and bring a trailer everybody's paying yeah Uh, they're they're like broncos
0: well see you're coming back mike you're 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 back in fashion again you know k5 blazer i drove one of those all the way down to the tip of baja took the ferry across back up mexico spent a whole month with uh, a neighbor of mine, her, his mom, and her friend. They got two of those from my friend's dad, who was running a Chevy dealership, brand new. And we camped on the beach and drove through Mexico and uh, just had a wonderful time. And so I spent a fair amount of time driving in the heat in a K five yeah, K five placer
1: with the fan blasting. Yeah, well, hard a fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Air conditioning
0: wasn't working too great even on a on no. a new one. Well. You know that was a very uh, honest approach to that answer, and that's 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 what I like. You know, I like to ask my guests about books. I'm all about books here, and uh-huh. you know, since you're a journalist, I'm assuming you're a reader. You mentioned AJ; he's been a guest on the show multiple times. What's a great book that you've read, maybe in the last year? You'd like to share? God,
1: I can't share Arsenal Democracy.
0: Then, if it's uh, oh, you can. You, I love that book. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, that's one of his cool ones. It's
1: a great book, and I, I mean, go go like hell is obviously um set set in motion a whole thing that ended with a with a movie and i think is told one of the great stories of all times but i loved arsenal democracy i gotta say i'm a big i'm a big engineering nerd and i read a lot of books about space car right, let me just can I, can I share a couple do you
0: mind that's fine yeah you know i was also going to mention the accidental president i'm not sure if you read that by aj as well but that,
1: i mean absolutely that's yeah. fascinating yeah, I mean AJ and I are are pretty close, so he sends me galleys. Lucky you, <laughs> to give reads to. And um, but I, uh, one of my two of my favorite journalists are Bill Buford and William Langevisha. And Buford was a New Yorker editor, a New Yorker writer who wrote probably the greatest piece of reporting of all time with uh, this book, "Among the Thugs," which was he he embedded himself with the fans of the of Manchester United in the late seventies as they were. As they were in the process of being banned from every stadium, and it's one of the most harrowing and honest pieces of journalism. And I think for anybody who wants to be a journalist, it's uh, it's absolute. It's that up there with Michael Harris' Dispatches, which is one of the great Vietnam books. But it's 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 a, it's a striking piece of journalism. Last year, I read a read a book called Into the Black by Roland White, which is a a great dive into the space shuttle program that uh, is. Uh, I think essential reading for car guys um it gets he really gets into all the engineering difficulties that they were facing uh trying to build uh trying to build that strange arrangement of two solid rocket boosters a giant fuel tank and this uh the the orbiter outside of all that um but uh, uh it's it's pretty amazing um And another one is William Langevisha. I think if you're a writer, if you want to be a car writer or a journalist, you you should read his stuff um, and study it because he's an aviation writer, but uh, he worked at Vanity Fair and the Atlantic for a long time. But he recreates, he rebuilds sort of forensically these stories that are almost impossible to tell, like massive air disasters. Uh, He rebuilt the World Trade Center from the bottom up after the collapse and talked about how it was what are the forces of physics and, uh, and and destruction that went into bringing those buildings down and exactly how it happened but he's got a book called Fly by Wire which talks about Sully landing Chesley Sullenberger landing in the in the Hudson oh, yeah. and the and the software that made that possible and the engineering that went into the airbus airframe that made that possible and uh i think the easy thing would be to talk about books about cars. i really think that like books about engineering that are really great and and almost impossible to comprehend how they got how they got the reporting and how they um how they put it together in such a coherent way of storytelling is really important so uh l a n g e w i e E S C H E, I think. Okay. Um, he's out there, uh, but Fly By Wire is an amazing book. And if you want to be a writer, let me just—I uh, say this to everybody that works for me and who's ever worked for me—read uh, Stephen King's book on writing um, because it is one of the greatest. It's up there. It beats Strunk and White. You know, it's, <laughs> read it every year, every year, and uh, and live by it because there's a uh, there's a, the craft of writing is is a difficult one and it's somehow a dying craft I think that there's a uh, an element of that we're losing by by blogging mm-hmm. that um, the great writers will tell you you gotta put lots of time in and it takes hours and great writing is great editing but uh, yeah, those are some of the books.
0: There you go. That I, some, that I some, have on my list. Some new books added here on the Cars. Yeah, guest recommended reading list. So I'm going to enable you to go on the ultimate drive today. Kind of a fun thought here. I'm going to park any car, any car in the world <laughs> in your garage. You get to go on a drive. And here's the key you get to take anybody with you, even somebody who's no longer with us, somebody from the past. Mm. So uh, yeah, what's the ultimate drive look like for Mike Guy?
1: God, that's a. That's the worst question in the world.
0: Well, it is not. Just, it is not. It is just the worst <laughs> question in the world. Um, you know, you
1: I, I did I did get wind of this question before. Uh, so I I, I I thought about it a little bit. Well, good. I'm a big music, I'm a big music fan. I'm a, I'm a musician and uh, I'm a I'm a real uh, music nerd. And uh, you know, I thought it should be a launch of stratos, right? Mm. OK, because that's the car that I really, really want to drive. But you can't really have a passenger in that because you want to talk to the passenger. Yeah, you can't <laughs> it might be a little loud. Um, but, you know, and I, I, one of the easy answers is I would love to go for a long drive with John Lennon. And, uh, and I would love to do it in a manual. And I would love to teach him how to drive because he was famously a terrible driver. And I think the <laughs> only time he went on a road trip, he got into a terrible accident. And nearly killed himself and, and Yoko and Julian. And uh, he was driving an Austin Healy and he rolled it. But really, what, what it would be is this I'll tell you. Uh, every year, Keith Richards and Patty Hansen, uh, they don't do it anymore because Keith's getting old, but uh, they go on a road trip in an RV with the Hansen family, Patty and her two or three brothers. They each have an RV, and Keith drives a rented Winnebago and Patty's brother, and it's a, it's a wagon train of Hanson's and Richards. Uh, and they go down into, I don't know, they go out of the West Virginia or, you know, they hit the, uh, KOAs for a week and <laughs> Keith pulls out the guitar and they sit around the campfire and they play music. And so it's not going to be the launch of Stratos. It's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be a Carrera GT, uh, with Clint Eastwood or whatever. It's going to be a, a Winnebago with Patty Hansen and Keith Richards. And we're going to drive down the, uh, the Blue Ridge Parkway and it's going to end up around a campfire somewhere with, <laughs> with Keith playing some music. We talk about Keith Bentley and yeah, I think that would probably, that would probably be it.
0: Why am I not surprised? I got a very unique answer out of you today. Holy cow. <laughs> that's gotta be, that's the top 10 right there. I think.
1: For sure. uh, yeah. I mean, I have a, uh... I was also like, should I, do you mind if I just keep talking for a second? That's fine. There is a road trip that I, do, I would want to do if I could go into a time machine for The Ultimate Drive. It is this. After the Beatles finished their 1966 tour, it was the last tour of the Beatles before they became a studio band. Mm-hmm. They, uh, uh, they all dispersed. And, and Paul McCartney, who was the only driver in the group, he's a guy who loved driving. He went on a road trip. And they, you know, that tour nearly killed them. They were almost beaten to death in the Philippines. They were, you know, John Lennon had said that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. So all of the American a wanted to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so they were all just really just fed up and burned out and bummed out at the end of that tour. And, and uh, they said they were never going to tour again, and they never did. And so they all took off. And what Paul did was went to France and rented a Citroën DS. And drove around the French countryside in a disguise. He slicked his hair back um, and shaved and wore a fake goatee, and spent three weeks sitting at cafes in central France, in small towns, reading the newspaper and Be- not thinking about guy. music. <laughs> not thinking about music, not being attacked by fans and not being screamed at or threatened by Imelda Marcos. He just like <laughs> went on this road trip, you know, and I, I, one of the things I love about cars and this re- really hit home during COVID was the car is the place where you can just you close the door and you control everything. You control the, the, the acceleration, the steering, the, the, the to a degree, what it smells like, what it, how, how warm it is, how cold it is, who's talking, how much you can hear, like what the music is, where you're going, how long you're going to be there. And McCartney did that for 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 three weeks, and um, rediscovered himself in a lot of ways. And he's actually barely never talked about this. I, I he's some people have written about it in really, in, in broad strokes. But Jan Wenner, who who's was old friends with Lennon and became close with McCartney only recently, uh, he was my boss at Rolling Stone. He started Rolling Stone. He told me this story and. Uh, and when McCartney finished that road trip, he flew back to England and sat down with Mal Evans, who is one of the Beatles uh, guys and said, I think the next album should be not the Beatles. It should be a band that's playing for a guy named Sergeant Pepper. And they're just, they're just a house band. <laughs> and I always think about like this road trip, you know, like the power of of going on a road trip in the right car. And and just being alone, sort of with yourself, and being able to decompress for Paul McCartney I ended up with arguably the greatest album of all time, or at least the concept of it. And uh, I would like to be a passenger in that car. No kidding, even though <laughs> Paul, prob- Paul probably would have kicked me out. Um, <laughs> yeah. that's that's the road trip. So, it's, actually, so the real answer is <laughs> that road trip, I'm not even there, I'm just a f- I'm just a fly on the wall. A fly on the – uh, well,
0: better than a fly on the windshield because we know yeah, what right. happens to those guys. Wow. Well, you took us down another wild road there, Mike. Um, you warned me at the beginning of this, so you were true to your word. You've taken us on a on a wonderful journey today, and I'd love for you to leave us with maybe uh, some words of uh, meaning, a mantra, success quote, inspiration. Um. I don't know if I have one of those. I mean, you <laughs> know, I, guess I don't I believe you.
1: <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Philip Roth wrote, was a great, was one of the greatest American novelists of all times. He, he wrote eight hours a day, seven days a week for his entire life. You know, like hard, there's no, there's no substitute for hard work. But that, the quote, since you bring, since we have already gone down the Beatles path, I mean, there's a John Lennon quote that, uh, I think is apropos of media today, mm-hmm. although not of road and track. I will say that the quote that I love uh, of his is, paranoia is just a heightened sense of awareness. <laughs> and I will say that, that it's it's funny and it's real, but it's also, it's apropos of, of success, especially in media today, because you got to be on your toes, man. Like the internet, like, one day it's video, the next day it's you got to have uniques. Another day it's like you got to have a podcast. What we're trying to do at Road and Track is not pivot to every single tiny little thing, and sort of stick to some core values and believe in them, and have faith that there are people out there that that know what good things are and will support them. And uh, I think that it's a we we live in weird times, but I do have like I have especially. In the car world, you brought this up earlier. I, I don't know if, if it was before we started the interview, but like car guys are fascinating, and they know what like real car guys know what good stuff is. And uh, I have a lot of faith that like whatever's going to happen in the in our world, our niche, there will always be um, such a thing as good taste, and like there will always be um, a market for. For real enthusiasm, and I think that's uh, a super important thing to remember. And don't don't go ch- don't go chasing the flavor of the week or flavor of the month.
0: <laughs> well said. How can people learn more and subscribe to Road and Track?
1: Well, go to rodentrack.com, of course. And uh, and uh, I would say if I'm gonna, I would I would like to pitch the magazine and obviously our all the work we do every day on the on the website. But if you get an opportunity to get a seat at one of our, our, uh, our rallies, um, they're really special. They're really, um, I mean, there are a lot of companies out there that do rallies, but I think that we, we, there aren't very many people who can get you on a full day at Sonoma with Graham Wilson. I'm sorry, that Graham Wilson, <laughs> Graham Ray Hall, not a lot of people get you on track with Graham Ray Hall and, and, and all the five-star restaurants and the whole staff yeah. of the you know, the magazine is there. And, uh, you know, we got Randy Lanier who's gonna be telling some great stories and AJ will be there and Matt Farah, who's one of our staffers who has a competing podcast with the Spoken Gun of Retire. Yeah,
0: he's been a guest on the show here. Yep. Yeah, Matt's uh Matt's on staff with
1: me now and um you know, it's uh that's that's what I'd say. Go to go to the website, come on the rallies, like really like I think being Being a car enthusiast is about doing stuff, not just reading stuff, although that's a big part of it. We're all about getting out there and doing stuff, and we actually do. So come out there and do it with us.
0: Sounds like a plan. Want to do a big shout out. Thank you to uh, our mutual friend, Nathan Christopher there at Hearst for getting me together with Mike. Nathan, thank you very much. Mike, this has been great fun. Thank you for being so generous today with your your time, your expertise, your stories. Wow. I think we could talk for hours, my friend. Until you and I talk again, though, I'll see you down the road. Thanks a lot, man. You're welcome.